It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, what's happening, everyone? And welcome as we get ready for the San Jose Sharks' first game of the 2024 calendar year, taking on the Detroit Red Wings tonight at 7.30 from the tank. Some news out of the Sharks this morning. Mario Ferraro was practicing, expected to play uh, he apparently was uh, still a little sore, but could have come back towards the end of that game against Colorado. They held him out. He got his ribs checked out, apparently, and he's doing all right. He's going to play. Uh, the other one we're paying attention to is Logan Couture took more extensive practice this morning uh, at the morning skate. Doesn't sound like he's going to play in tonight's game, but you get the feeling that we're getting close, and I think that's the most important thing. But we are going to get into all things San Jose Sharks as we are now joined on the Sharks Audio Network by Shalena Goldman, who covers the Sharks for NHL.com. Shalena, what's going on? Happy New Year. How are you doing? Happy New Year to you, too, Ted. It's lovely to see you. Always a pleasure. My first question for you, I'm going to go broad because you've been covering the Sharks for a long time now, and you're also, you know, very active in the Bay Area sports scene. You're a fan. You have friends like a normal person, obviously. Do people still ask you as much about the Sharks as much as they used to, or has it waned since the team has been going through this rebuild? Because on the one hand, I could see people having more questions because it's such a abrupt turn from where they were just a few short years ago but on the other hand it's kind of like out of sight out of mind they're not maybe as much on the forefront of people's thoughts because they they're just not winning they're not in the playoffs like they were they don't have the stars like they did this season is actually completely different from the last couple coming out of the pandemic it was oh how are the sharks doing i haven't looked at them in a while uh this season because of the historically bad start i get asked about them more there when, uh, when i go out places they're actually on more because it's like oh are they going to win or is this going to be another 10 to 2 blowout so there's almost I don't want to say, I mean, there's almost more interest right now mm -hmm. from fans who maybe wouldn't watch until the playoffs just because they're going through such a crazy transition and because these games are so lopsided. They had that 11-game losing streak to start the season, and then they won a bunch in a row. So then people were really, so, so then there was this, you know, this big belief, oh, they're turning things around. And now that they've lost eight in a row, it's there's still sort of that wonder around them. It's because, you know, and then we're getting into trade deadline time and people are like, is this going to be a different team? So it yeah. is sort of bizarre because people are watching. They're just watching for very different reasons right now. That interest, I guess, does that tell you that when the Sharks are ready to pull out of this and, you know, any rebuild, it takes times. Ask, you know, the Red Wings who they're playing tonight. They've, you know, yeah. it's been seven years since they made the playoffs after making it every year for 25 years. It takes time. But do you think that, people will be ready to kind of jump back onto the bandwagon. And it's it's funny because, you know, bandwagon is used as a negative term, like, oh, they're bandwagon fans. But it's like, well, no, I mean, like, people are investing their time, emotion, and money in a team. Like, that's a lot easier to do when they're winning. Like, you want to have bandwagon fans. Yeah. You want to have something that people want to be a part of. 
Yeah, um, I actually think because of how they are right now, if they made even a big push at the end of the season and brought a lot of the young guys up, I think that mm -hmm. would get people a little more excited. You saw a bit of that at the end of last year. Um, you saw Eklund come back up for the first time since the start of the season. You saw Thomas Bordalo come yeah. up. Um, so there is that wonder. There is that excitement. There are the fans who I talk to on social media a lot, a lot who are still watching, but they're struggling. And it's just it's, they're, 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 there's that push and pull. But because of because they didn't just fade, because they have had this crazy low season, I do think there is a bit more excitement to jump back on that bandwagon when they do well. Yeah, you bring up the young players, and it's interesting because you watch William Eklund, and, you know, he's got more goals than Alex Ovechkin right now. I don't think any of us really have that one on our 23-24 uh, bingo card. But, yeah, I mean, there is that excitement. You're waiting for Eklund. You're waiting for Bordalo. We've been able to see more of uh, Thrun recently and Ohochuk, who came over as part of that Timo Meyer trade. Ferraro is playing tonight because a lot of people were wondering if uh, Mook Madulin would be coming up to play with the Sharks, but Ferraro is going to be able to play. And, yeah, we I always make the comparison because it's such the it's the most direct one to baseball of when teams start bringing up younger players and it it's a probably a lazy comparison you can call me out for it but it kind of reminds me of like where the Giants were in I believe it was the end of the 2007 or halfway through when Tim Lincecum first started coming up and some of those younger guys in 08 and 09 you know when we first got our sights of Buster Posey who was playing in San Jose and then joined the Giants and then Bumgarner came up towards the end of that 09 season. And, you know, I don't think anybody predicted what would come next, um, but I'm sure that's what the Sharks are hoping for. But like you said, people are excited. And then you start adding in the, the Will Smith to this conversation, Quentin Musty, these other guys, you know, the Sharks have six players of the world juniors. It does, it, it is a, a different type of excitement. It's not the same as being on a playoff run, but it does give people something to look forward to. And I do, you know, and again, there are probably other more recent comparisons, but I would say it is kind of like the Giants and sort of that 08, 09 before they made the run, you know, before they made the run in 2010. It is that similar thing where you started seeing young guys come up. You knew this team was in a transition, but you already had guys to get excited about. Yeah. And so, and so there was still that, so there's still that look at, you know, and because of how social media is now, we can track how the Sharks young prospects are doing. We can see what Will Smith is doing. We can see what Quentin Musty is doing and he's doing a lot of great things right now. So that's helping to get, and, you know, and the young guys who are here right now, um, you mentioned Henry Thrun. Um, we also have guys like Kalen Addison. We have these guys who are, you know, who are pending RFAs who could be the future of this team. And mm -hmm. so um, even, and even during this current skid, one of David Quinn's biggest things is that, you know, that some of that some of the young guys are playing really well. You have Eklund who's still who's grinding so hard, even when he's not scoring. Henry Thrun, who's, you know, being thrown into the fire and, you know, and trying to help make this defense better. Um, so so there is, while the, you know, this season they might be so down and out as a team as a whole, to see these young guys really working and progressing, that does give you hope for the future. Yeah, no, most definitely. And and that was what was interesting about watching the the game the other night is that you know, you got to see some young players like Henry Thrun do his thing in the game. You had an injury, which, of course, has been such a big part of this season for the Sharks. And Mario Ferraro went down with the uh, injury that we didn't know it was upper body. And eventually he alluded to it being ribs earlier today. And then you also had a, a goalie standing on his head throughout that game. And Capo Kakinen threw, um, you know, just the very, very potent attack of the abs. And, you know, only gave up two and they got an empty netter. And, you know, if you're doing that in Colorado, I would say that's a good, good 
night for the Sharks on the road, even if it doesn't include the win. But, you know, that that gets into the talk of the the moral victories. And is that valid? Because I feel like you have to have, like, you can only win or lose in this game. Like, you can still get an overtime loss, but you still didn't win. Like, you can get one point or two or none. But I feel like for this group, they've still got to be able to, like, have something to point at, even if the wins are very rare, right? Like, they can say, hey, we still played better defensively. And it's just that people say, oh, well, you know, moral victories, it doesn't matter. It's like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like it does. When you're in the midst of an eight-game losing streak, you got to hold on to something and hope that you can use that as a foothold to kind of climb out of it, right? It, oh, exactly. And that was something that that was something that David Quinn's even said after games. You know, the players might be a little more down. We talked to Hurdle a lot after games and he's super competitive. And this is he's one of the captains of this team. And it's, you know, it's still it's and he said, you know, this is a family. We have to play better. Mm -hmm. But then there are some things that you can point to that are going right. And no, they don't want to go on another 11 game losing streak. Um, but you do have to take that good some of those good things to be like, okay. Yeah, moral victories aren't great, but you have to take that and then apply that to the next game and get better. One of the things that we saw when the Sharks broke out of their earlier losing streak was that there was this resiliency. Mm -hmm. And once you find that resiliency and you can build, so even if you do lose, you can come back and win the next one, they need to get that back. And so if you can take that out of some of that sort of quote unquote moral victory type, I think that that will be better for the team in the long run. Injuries is just a huge factor for the Sharks. I believe they've missed the most games or had the most man games missed of anyone in the league this year. Whereas you look at, um, I believe it was St. Louis heading into that game with the abs uh, before the abs played the Sharks. They'd only had like two games missed. Like that's like, that's a wild swing of this as well, especially when you've had Sturm go down and Carpenter come down. And even though he's gotten back as of late, but it's like, you, you have to acknowledge, you know, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but it's like the injuries have played a huge factor for the San Jose Sharks. I mean, there's the, the huge one that Logan Couture has yet to play a game. Yeah, and we're and we're still, I mean, he's practicing right now, but we there's still no exact timetable for when he's going to come back. Mm -hmm. Stern was a huge loss for them down, you know, down the middle of the ice. Um, and they've had, I mean, but it's been like this the entire season, not just with Couture not starting, but they've constantly dealt with big injuries. And that does play a factor, not to say that they don't have other players that can step up, but that affects, you know, they, you know, they, this team doesn't score a ton of goals the, you know, that is impacted when you have a forward arsenal that's constantly injured. Um, you know, you have guys coming in and out of the decor. And you, when you have a guy like Mario Ferrara, who, you know, came out last game, he logs a ton of minutes. And mm -hmm. so that, you know, and that, and that Im impacts the team. So yeah, you don't want to make excuses, but at the same time, I mean, when you lose that many players constantly, it's hard to put a team on, it's, it's hard to put a team on the ice every night. Yeah. Well, that makes me wonder about Barabanov because I, I often wonder if he's a hundred percent out there. Cause he just, you know, he had the illness and before that he had the injury, which knocked him out for a while, but he really just hasn't looked like himself. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why the sharks have not, you know, the offense hasn't been there. They were able to score goals on that road trip in which they went three, two and one. Um, but since then, even in that win against Winnipeg, they scored two in that game it was a two, one win. And the only other game where they've had a, you know, a modicum of offense was that I believe seven, four loss to uh, Vancouver. Otherwise it's just, the offense just hasn't been there. It's just, it's been non-existent. 
It has it, and that's not good considering the couple of games that they have coming up right now. Um, Detroit coming in tonight, they've lost three three out of four, but they're scoring goals. They, yeah. they put up five against Nashville last Friday. They put up three and a loss to Boston on New Year's Eve. So they're scoring even though they're not winning, which doesn't bode well against a team that um, has a banged-up defense and isn't scoring goals. And then you have Winnipeg again on Thursday, and then the Maple Leafs are coming in on Saturday and you have like, you know, league leading goal scorer in fellow San Ramon native Austin Matthews coming in. You have, and so it, it, but yes. And yes, those injuries, I mean, and you do see the, you do see the sharks trying the five zero loss to the Oilers, I think was a big testament of that. Yeah. On paper, they didn't score anything, but especially that top line with hurdle and with Eklund, they were driving the net. There were so many shots that barely missed or went off the crossbar and, um, but they've got to score goals if they're if if they're going to get out of this slump. And they also have to tighten up because, again, they're going against a couple of teams that score a lot. Yeah, score a lot. And that'll be interesting to watch and see what, what they're able to do. The Winnipeg game actually really intrigues me, just like the Detroit game, because those are two teams that the Sharks were able to get wins against. Detroit, they fell behind, you know, 4 nothing and came roaring back. Winnipeg, they played, a, you know, just a really, really good, tight defensive game and were able to walk away with the win there. But a, a huge factor in those games, I believe in the Detroit game, it was Kappa who came in in relief of um, Mackenzie Blackwood. But both those games, the wins over Detroit and Winnipeg earlier this year, had really good performances from the goalies, which again is a huge, huge factor. And, you, you know, you point to that Edmonton game, the Sharks played terribly in front of Magnus Krona and had a four spot in the first period. But after that, Capo comes in. He only gives up one. The Sharks all acknowledged, and you were referencing those Tomas Hurdle uh, comments about him being like a family. I believe he was saying that in response to the way they played in front of Krona in the first period. So, you know, the goalies to me, Shalena, have been just such a huge factor for this Sharks team. And it's, it's weird because you look at the numbers, and it doesn't quite jive with the reality of what we've seen because there have been games where, I mean, I, I look back at, you know, just – games where they've given up four goals, we'll just say. But, like, if you look at the shots against, you're like, woof, like, that could have been a lot worse. There are a couple um, – it was that early game against the Hurricanes where Mackenzie Blackwood had, what, like 40 saves or something. Um, and they and they held that tie until really, really late in the game, and then the Sharks lost. And I, I still think that the Sharks might not have gone on that 11-game skid – had they won that game like that was yeah. a big thing and we've talked about this a ton and exactly that's it's just the the numbers the numbers don't show how well these two goalies have played and how many how many saves they're making every game these guys are working mm -hmm. their butts off it's incredible and um you know and you and and you need that when you're playing you know when you're you're the goalie for a team that has a ton of injuries and is having trouble scoring goals and <laughs> Um, I think it's something it will be interesting to see if Krona comes back up at some point, because I'm sure that now that 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 first, you know, that that starts under his belt and it didn't go great. You, you know, you would like to see him come back and, you know, and maybe get a win or at least or at least have better defense in front of him. But yeah, yeah. it's the the goaltending has just been so big for this team, even though their record doesn't show it. Do you think that as we get closer to the deadline that Mike Greer is going to be fielding calls about either Blackwood or Capo, and how do you think the Sharks could respond to that? Because on the one hand, they're not ready to compete ostensibly, even though they do have a lot of cap space this summer. But on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, having two good goalies 
I don't know. Is that something you want to not have going into the future? Because right now, in terms of a tandem, it's been a long time since the Sharks have had something like this. I mean, I feel like on any given night, you know, both Kakinen or Blackwood can give you a pretty darn good performance. Yeah, it's really interesting because this really is the first time, and again, the record doesn't show up, but this is the first time they've had like a, a good tandem in a long time. I don't remember them having a decent tandem since the 2016 playoffs. And that was when Martin Jones was on his A game and James Reimer was backing up and was really, really good. The Sharks just haven't had that for a while, but, you know, Kakinen's a, um, a pending UFA. And so there's, there's, and, you know, there are teams that need more goaltending. So I'm sure that Greer is going to have calls about him and it's not, and you know, and it's, it's not just, it's not just the goaltending either. There are quite a few, um, you have quite a few, you know, uh, forwards who are going to be UFAs yeah. coming up as well. And so this team could end up looking very different, but, but it is interesting because one of the good things that they have going for them is that they have these two goaltenders and it's sort of, it's like, okay, well, what do you, you know, are you willing to part with that? Do you, you know, you know, do you, know, do you want to do that if, if you are looking so far into the future? Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is a big wonder. I mean, just because the, and I've talked to you about this and, you know, many others. It's like, you know, goalies get hot. We're not in an era of, you know, Hall of Fame goalies like we were 10, 15 years ago. Like right now there's Shesterkin and, you know, Vasilevsky and Bobrovsky. And it's not, you know, other guys are like Aiden Hill's been very hot for almost a year now, but he hasn't have the track record to show that that's going to continue and we can go down that list. But it is, it's an interesting one. It's part of, we all like to play armchair GM uh, as we go deeper into the season and get closer to the deadline. Um, going back to the Logan Couture topic, though, you know, he's one, Shalena, that because his game is, you know, he, he plays on both sides of the puck. He scores, he defends, he kills. You know, we we saw how, you know, until the Sharks had the playoff drought, he was right there behind only Alex Ovechkin and playoff goals scored in the you know recent 10 years or something or amongst active players. But, you know, maybe now you look at his absence and you think, boy, if you didn't appreciate his game before you probably do now. Oh, absolutely. There, I mean, there's no taking away from what you know what what he brings to the ice again on both sides of the puck. Is he's a defensive off you know off off offenseman. There's just no, there's just no, and you know, and when you look at you know the depth that this you know that the Sharks team has down the middle, they haven't had a ton of it for a couple of years. This was the first year just on paper that they were going to be really, really solid down the middle, you know, and that's, you know, not having Couture there to start the season already put them at a disadvantage. Um, and just having his, just having his leadership, he's, you know, a do as I do type of guy. He's a lead by, he's, he's not a yell at the locker room guy. He's the, you know, follow my lead on the ice kind of guy. And and to not have that, um, you know, that, that definitely makes a difference. Jelena, always a pleasure having you on. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you at the tank in a few hours, all right? Sounds good. Thank you, Chad. Again, that was Shalena Goldman, who covers the Sharks for NHL.com. And the Sharks, again, it'll be 7.30 tonight from the tank, 7 o'clock pregame right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And like you heard me and Shalena talking about, the Sharks are hosting the Jets on Thursday night, 7.30 start time. And then we get a 4 o'clock start time on Saturday afternoon as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm excited for that one because it's a 4 o'clock start. I am putting it out there now, and I should have done this in the interview with Shalena. That will go overtime at least, probably a shootout, because it's almost like a guarantee. If you get an early start time, 
that means that you are going to be dealing with uh, an extended game because anytime you think you're getting out early, it always goes late. Now, I have no problem with that, except for the way that the shootout, I'm not a big believer in that. I'll always watch high drama overtime hockey. I just don't love a shootout. But uh, that's all we got for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow morning on Morning Tide as we look back at the game against Detroit. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.